uh, it really is good to be here. I think this is like my second or third time being at this church, and every time I've been here, I've always left uh, very refreshed. So when Chip said, you know, hey, would you come and speak, I jumped at the chance right away. He said that you guys, he asked that I would speak on one of our vineyard distinctives. This is a vineyard church, in case you didn't know that. But, uh, uh, and when I say distinctives, uh, I, what I don't mean is something that makes us better than any other church or any other movement, but really the unique wiring, what God has wired into the DNA of the vineyard in order for us to do and to be the people that he has called us to be, our part in this global body of Christ. And last weekend you had Wade Coffey, who uh, uh, here speaking, if you were here, who I refer to as Hipster Jesus. Didn't he look like Jesus? Like a real cool Jesus? <laughs> but I know uh, Wade's an awesome guy, good friend. But I, but I understand that he spoke on one of our vineyard distinctives uh, of being a partnering with the Holy Spirit, that we are a people who are filled with and, and led by the Holy Spirit. And the distinctive that I want to look at today is one that both uh, was and continues to be uh, life-changing for me. Uh, I'll set it up this way. I grew up in a church uh, environment where uh, it seemed like what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus was don't mess up, right? Don't sin, or at least don't get caught. I was pretty good at that. But, but it, w- it was very much your faith was built around your behavior. It was all about basically sin Uh, sin management, and it seemed like God was happy with me when I wasn't messing up, and it seemed like God was appropriately disappointed in me uh, when I did mess up, And, and, and so whether I was doing well or not doing well, my understanding of God was that he was there, but he was, he was very distant. But then, uh, in my teen years, I had, uh, an experience, an encounter with God that really awakened me to the reality of, of his presence, of his, of his very close presence. When I was 18 years old, uh, I went to uh, a vineyard church. I'm originally from Western Canada, so if you're not understanding anything I'm saying, it's because I'm speaking uh, a little bit of Canadian. But I, but I went to a vineyard church in Canada, 18 years old, and this is no exaggeration. I, for at least the first six months, I, uh, I would cry a lot <laughs> in these services. And I literally, I, again, I'm 18. I would walk into the service and I would say to myself, don't cry, don't cry, hold it together, don't cry. And I would walk in, the music would start, and ooh, just all this emotion would bubble up. And that is not cool <laughs> when you're 18 years old. And I, and I remember not understanding what was going on in my life. And I thought, you know, like I'm, I'm much too young to have a nervous breakdown. Uh, but one Sunday, someone was praying for me, and I was crying. And he said, he said this thing to me, very simple, but he said, hey, what's going on in your life right now is you are experiencing the love of God. And now when I say that, we're like, okay, yeah, we know that. But, but honestly, at that time in my life, I was like, what? You mean he's not only close to me, but he actually loves me. And even better, he loves me just, just the way I am. Then, after that, again, this, this sort of this, I'm moving towards our distinctive. After that, God took our relationship to an even more 
uh, wonderful, surprising, and life-changing level. It says in Matthew 4.19, we can throw that up, uh, Jesus called out, there we go, I love it, Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people, and they left their nets at once and followed him. So my understanding of that scripture was, okay, what it means to be a Christian, come follow me, is basically Jesus saying, hey, everyone, get in line behind me. Again, behavior. And whatever you do, don't get out of line. That was my understanding. But suddenly, I, I'm looking at this, and, I'm, and this awareness is dawning on me that, wait a minute, the plan of God for me, the plan of God for you, the plan of God for us is not just to follow him. It's literally, let's walk together now. And God is inviting us into this relationship where he's saying, and, and I want to teach you, I want to teach you how to do the works, uh, the works that I am doing. So the vineyard distinctive that I want to look at today is this. In the vineyard, we are a naturally supernatural people. We are a naturally supernatural people, or another way to put it is this. In the vineyard, we believe that God wants to do supernatural things through very natural people, people just like you, people just like me. So uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump into, just look at a few points. Let's pray. So Lord, I, I thank you uh, for this morning. I thank you that today is a brand new day. Lord, would you not let today be just another Sunday? I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and just fill this room. Lord, you know everyone here. You love everyone here. You're close to everyone here. Would you come and be uh, surprisingly personal with, with each one today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Number one, if you're a note-taker, is this. Simply come follow me the example of Jesus. So we just read that. The example, or the, sorry, the invitation of Jesus is to come follow me. And in that simple phrase, it's, it's saying a lot. Because for Jesus to say, come follow me, come means you're, you're probably going to have to leave where you are in order to come to Jesus. You're probably going to have to leave who you are in order to come and follow Jesus. You're probably going to have to leave like what you believe about God, what you believe about life in order to now come and follow Jesus, and, and to follow him basically is come be a disciple, come be his, a student, come follow his example, come learn from him. So what, what does that look like within the context of being a naturally uh, supernatural people? Two verses uh, that, that help us understand the example of Jesus, how he lived his life on earth. Philippians 2 verse 6 says this, though he was God, he being Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Second verse, Luke 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, starting his, starting his earthly ministry. So here, what I want to draw from these two verses, there's something amazing about Jesus, something amazing about the one that we've now been invited to follow, whose example we've been invited to follow. Jesus, this is a mystery to me, but Jesus comes to earth, and he, and he lives this life on earth, and he's fully God and fully human, fully man, all at the same time, and that's, that's a mystery to me. But notice that it says, in Philippians, it says that he gave up his divine privileges 
The NIV says he didn't use his divinity as an advantage, meaning that Jesus came to earth, uh, walked among us. He's invited us now to follow him. He's invited us now to follow his example. And basically, he, he's saying this. He's saying, okay, uh, I just want you guys to know that I'm going to lay down, I'm going to lay down my divinity. I'm not going to lay it aside. I'm still God. But I'm going to, I'm not going to use it to my advantage. Why would you do that, Jesus? Here's why I would do that, or why I did that. Because, because I want to show you, I want to be an example to all of you of what it looks like when a human being, natural, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, Luke 4, uh, supernatural, when, what it looks like when that person lives a life submitted to God. He laid aside his divinity so that he would be an example that we could actually follow. And here's what I mean. See, if Jesus didn't do that, us trying to follow his example would just be, just be so beyond our ability. Because it would be like, wait a minute, yeah, he's human, but he's, but he's God. I mean, his, his starting place is so much further beyond ours. It would sort of be like you and I stepping onto the field of an NFL football game and, you know, some big, you know, wide receiver, I think wide receiver, well, they're, they're all amazing. But, but if one of them came out to you and said, hey, it's, it's really pretty easy, just do what I do. Just follow my example. I mean, that would be like, that would be a disaster. But because their skill level, their strength, their agility, all those things that make them so amazing is basically makes them like gods compared to us, uh, us little mortals. Uh, their starting place is way beyond ours. That's, that's an example we couldn't follow. And so Jesus, Jesus sets this example for us to follow. Uh, he lays aside what gave him an advantage, his divinity. And now he lives a life where he lived uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus needed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed to exercise with the gifts of the Holy Spirit just like we do. It's the same thing we've been invited into. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this first point because Wade, uh, I believe, touched on it a bit last weekend. But let me wrap up the first point by saying the invitation of Jesus is not to be a supernaturally supernatural people because that's impossible for us. Rather, the invitation of Jesus and the example of Jesus is to be a naturally supernatural people. Naturally people, natural people who are able to do supernatural things because they are filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two, uh, God loves to work with who we are and what we have. You know, and I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but sometimes I like to imagine, you know, when you look at the different stories in the Bible, I like to jump into the stories and just to, what it would have been like to have been there. But I sometimes wonder, remember in the, in the Gospels when Jesus is, he's ascending back up to heaven, right? His work on earth is done. He's gone to the cross. He's resurrected. I, I, I sometimes try to imagine Jesus. He's going up and he's looking down at all his followers, you know, the disciples, and they're looking up at him, and they're confused, like, what's going on? And I wonder, I wonder, did Jesus ever look down and go, is this all we have to work with? Like, I don't, like, again, that's, that's sort of, <laughs> I don't think Jesus would ever have thought that, but that's how I would have thought. I would have thought, really? We're going to hand the mission off to these guys? Like, is that a, is that a, <laughs> is that a good idea? See, when Jesus picked his team. 
when Jesus, you know, picked his disciples, he, picked, he, he made the strangest draft choices, if you will. Uh, not one of them, think of the disciples, not one of them was influential. Not one of them was like sort of top of the class, religious. Like, like these were very common blue-collar people, fishermen, you know, a tax collector, he, he considered to be a traitor by his own people. One was a zealot. I'm sure he had anger issues. Uh, and, then, and then one of the guys, oh, yeah, and this guy is going to betray him. And that's, that's the team, that's the team that Jesus chose. And, you know, think back to when you were in uh, primary school, elementary school. Remember those wonderful experiences on the, on the field, on the playing field, when you're, it's recess and you're going to play a game uh, everyone lines up and you have two captains and they're going to pick teams. Do you remember that? Do you remember those times? Okay, I see people are starting to get a little anxious. But who got picked first? The jocks, right? Or the, or the big guys. Or the, and who got picked last? Right? Like, like who? <laughs> Roxanne said me. <clears throat> Let's go into a ministry time right now. No, but... <clears throat> I remember, uh, I remember in school, the person who got picked last really didn't get picked. It was more like, and, and if your name's Tommy, please don't be offended, but it's like, no, we don't want Tommy, you take Tommy, right? But Jesus, Jesus is crazy, because he's like, oh yeah, I'll take Tommy. Listen, listen to the kind of people that Jesus chose to be on his team. Could you read this with me? 1 Corinthians 1, Let's read this together. Brothers and sisters... Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Anyone here foolish? Me. Anyone here weak? Me. Anyone here lowly? Anyone here overlooked? It's like God goes, I want you. I, I want you to be on my team. In the vineyard, we see naturally supernatural played out like this. It's not a question of ability, but rather a question of availability. Hey, let that sink in. It's not a question of ability, but rather it's a question of availability. God's just looking for worthy, or sorry, God's just looking for people who are willing, <laughs> who are willing to, to get in the game when he, when he picks his team. And understand that when God picks you to be on his team, he wants you just the way you are right now. He doesn't pick you just because of who you will one day be. Because the promise of God is that I am fully committed, I am fully committed, the scriptures say, to what? To finish the work that I've started in you, that I've started in your children and your grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that is his commitment, but, but he is more than happy to choose us and invite us into his work right now. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait till then. I, I look back um, uh, again in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Think of all the crazy stories, uh, all the different things that Jesus invited the disciples into. 
Like I think of, do you remember the, the show? I think it's still out there, but I remember our kids watched uh, Ride on the Magic School Bus. Do you remember that show? Let's get messy. I think that's what the teacher would say. Well, I'm convinced that Jesus, he didn't have a magic school bus, but, but that he, all these crazy stories we see in the Gospels with Jesus and the disciples, it's Jesus basically taking the, the disciples on these kingdom field trips. And, and he's taking them on these field trips where he wants to teach them what it looks like to live a naturally supernatural life. Uh, in, in this life, and one of those days, or one of those stories, uh, Jesus and the disciples have been really busy, uh, well, Jesus has been doing all the work, but the disciples have basically been crowd control, and, and uh, they're tired, and so Jesus says, hey, you guys, let's get away, let's go to a solitary place, and it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I think it's like, let's go, let's go shoot a round of golf, Let's go chill. Let's go unwind. Let's get refreshed. And so off they go. And, and as they come over the hill towards the golf course, they come over the hill. And what do they see? They see a massive crowd of people. And these people are not golfing. These people are looking for Jesus. These people are in need. And Jesus, like he always does, he's the good shepherd. He has compassion on them. And so he gathers them all together. And he's teaching them. And at, at, you know, at one point, the disciples come to Jesus. And they basically say something like this. Hey, Jesus. Hey, it's getting late, and oh, these poor people must be so hungry. Uh, why don't we, why don't you wrap it up, Jesus, so they don't faint from hunger, and why don't we just let them go, you know, off to find some food? And, and what I think really was going on there, uh, and maybe this, this reveals my heart, is I think what they are saying to Jesus is, hey, boss, you wrap it up now. I think we still have time for, to play the back nine. I think they were like, they, they, wanted, they still wanted to have some fun. But Jesus, Jesus goes, oh, really? They're hungry? And then he says this most bizarre thing to them. He says, well, you feed them. You feed them. And this is where the disciples' response is a very natural, a very natural response. Mark 6, 37 says this. They said to him, the disciples said to him, well, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And again, this is so cool. This is a kingdom field trip that Jesus has taken his disciples on. And, and Jesus wants to now, in this story, he is, he's exposing, if you will, their naturalness. And now he wants to infuse his supernatural into their natural. And so he, gives, he, he, he asks the strangest question after their response. He says to them, verse 38, okay, well, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And, and basically, Jesus just says to them, okay, uh, well, what do you have? What what, what do you have? It turns out to be as five loaves and two fish, basically, uh, uh, basically a lunchable, like a kid's lunchable, no veggies, uh, not even a toy, a ridiculously small amount for such a great need. But basically, Jesus is saying, well, what do you have? And what he's saying, or what we're going to see is, and this is important, because whatever you do have, Jesus is saying, I can work with that. I can work with it. And isn't this, isn't this a, a great picture of what our natural life is like, what it's like to be a human being on, on planet Earth? Is that constantly, I would say, oh, easy, daily, if not hourly, uh, we are constantly facing 
great needs and the reality of our ridiculously small amount to cover those needs. Is that not uh, you know, a picture of our lives? Naturally, supernatural people are a people who are learning uh, who are learning that no matter how great the need, it doesn't matter how little we have, because whatever we have, God can work with it to cover the need. And in the story, Jesus like drives this home, because this story doesn't end with, it doesn't end with, and as the last piece of bread was taken out of the basket, the people rejoiced, and they said, are you kidding me? There was just enough food for Thousands and thousands of people. That's not how the story ends. Verse 42 says they all ate. Thousands of people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. God loves to work with who we are, who you are right now, and what you have right now. And he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine when we give to him, when we Make available to him who we are right now and what we have right now. Final point, number three. Naturally, supernatural people are never alone. And uh, have you ever had, or do you have right now, um, a friend, a really good friend, and, I, and what I mean is one of, those, one of those friends who, I don't know how they do it, but when you're with that friend, um, talking with that friend, they just have a way of making you feel stronger, braver. Um, they just have a way of infusing confidence uh, into you. What, you know, if you're feeling insecure, it's, I don't know what it is. You're with this friend, and it just seems to, to pump you up and to lift you up. And do, you, do you have a friend like that? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Would you be my... No, okay. Uh, I have, uh, I have three older brothers, and, and uh, I'm, good, I'm friends with all of them, but, but I, I have a special friendship uh, with, with my oldest brother, and he's six years older than me. Uh, growing up, we were not close uh, because of that, you know, that gap of years, and, and uh, uh, I think I was more of a nuisance to him. I was more of a punching bag <laughs> in those days, um, um, but as we've gotten older, our friendship has, has sweetened and deepened, and we are, we are much more than, than brothers. We are we're friends. We're deep, uh, very dear friends. And, and again, I'm, I'm not sure how he does it, uh, but when we talk, and, and he used to live in Western Canada. We would FaceTime. Now he's moved to New Zealand, which is awesome, because now I've got a free place to stay when I go down to visit hobbits. But... Uh, um, but when we do talk, probably once a week, we'll be on FaceTime. And, and I'm not exaggerating, but there's something about him and just who he is. And, well, really, it's about his, how he loves me that comes through. And when I get on the phone and we're looking, and he's, he's all, he used to be a pastor, and now he's not anymore, so he's very inappropriate <laughs> at times. And I'm not sure why I'm laughing at that. I probably shouldn't be. I probably... <laughs> As this is my last time speaking here, I, uh, I got a few other things I'd like to get off my chest. No, but, uh, but, he, but we laugh together. We laugh a lot together. And we'll even cry together. But we talk about everything. We talk about everything of life together. And, and again, 
I don't know how he does it, but when I get off the phone, if there were dark clouds over me, you know, before the phone call, afterwards, it just seems like the sun has broken through and there's peace and, uh, and, and it's, it's just been, it's a, it's such a, he is such a dear friend. And I, I, I look back on, you may remember this time we had a few years back called COVID. Do you remember that? Um, uh, but honestly, as a pastor, I don't think I've ever experienced anything so hard in my life. Uh, there were many days I thought, oh, I wish I had, I could think of many other jobs I'd rather have uh, right now because it was a total lose-lose constantly. Um, and during that time, I experienced insecurity, fear of man, people-pleasing at a level I've, you know, I, I've just never experienced before. And, but uh, wonderfully, as I look back on COVID, it was in the second half of COVID where uh, God really met me in that place of, of so much insecurity and, and fear. And, and it was in that second half of COVID that my friendship with Jesus, the Son of God, my brother, uh, really deepened. And, and that turning point, or there was a, again, second half of COVID, there was a turning point where I was praying, oh God, oh God, please move me to, I'll take a job at Amazon, I'll do anything. But I was praying, and I wasn't praying that, but I was praying and I was, I was listening for God's voice, and, and I, uh, I'm a little on the ADD side, and trying to listen for God's voice, maybe you're like this, it's like trying to catch a piece of paper in a windstorm. It's just, it's just nonstop, and, but God, God knows that, and, and as I sat there in this place, I felt like he just came close, and, and Jesus said something like this to me. He said, um, he said hey, you, you know the friendship you have with your brother Glenn? And, and honestly, just that uh, so got my attention because I love my brother very much. And I know he loves me and it just sort of warmed my heart and I thought of our friendship and I thought, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. But then Jesus continued and, and he basically said, well, well, that is a glimpse. That is just a start of the kind of friendship I want to have with you this side of heaven. And you know, even, even as I say that, it really stirs deep emotions in me because I think, really? Really? You, like, because like, I'm very close to my brother. Like, like, and you're saying, Jesus, that's, that's, just, that's just a start of the kind of friendship you want us to have. And I think about it, and I go, you know, if, that's really what it means to be a, a Christian. Like, it, it means you've been invited into a, a relationship, a friendship. It was Jesus who said in John 15, hey, I don't just call you my servants. You aren't just my employees. You aren't just my means to an end. We've got to get this work done. No, Jesus said, I want to call you Friends, I want you to be my, my, my friends. The ultimate expression, the ultimate expression of being a naturally supernatural people is living or, or learning to live each day of our lives, each moment, each challenge of our lives in a very real friendship with Jesus. 
And when I say that, I think, it, it, like, this is how bizarre this sounds to me, that I, this little man, you, this little man, this little woman, can say, I'm in a friendship with God. It's like a flea going, you know what I'm going to do? Like looking at a massive elephant and saying, we are going to be best friends. I'm like, ah. For us, it is impossible, natural. But, but it's not our idea. It's his idea. It's his idea. It's his plan. He is inviting you and me into that. We're not saying, oh, please, could you make it this way? He's saying, this is the way I want this is the way that I want it to be. I love the words of Jesus, uh, probably some of his final words on the planet, Matthew 28, 18, this familiar passage. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have, been, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And when I look at that, I go, you know, if I was leaving, if I was with people that I love, and I was getting ready to go away for a long time, I would be very selective about my words. And, and, it's, and it's so interesting to me that Jesus in this passage, notice that he doesn't end his talk by focusing in on the task, on the job description, right? On the work that he's given us to do, which is super important. And he could have easily stopped there. And especially for us Westerners who are, are addicted to being productive, right? That's a, that's a successful life. It's a productive life. But, but he could have stopped there, but Jesus doesn't. His final words are not focusing on the task. His final words are a reminder of the relationship and be sure of this. Be sure, rock solid, sure in your life. Be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In a sense, the supernatural is saying to the natural, hey, it's on me. It's my commitment to work this into your life. I just want you to be available. You just keep stepping up that, really? You really want to be friends with me? Well, then, okay, let's go. Every day of your life. Let me, I want to read, um, this is like a page long. I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Andy Squires. He's a singer, songwriter, preacher, poet. He's, a, he's from, I think, down in Kentucky somewhere. But this is, it's like, it's, he just does all these writings. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's nothing. You don't even have to listen if you don't want to. No, I, okay, I'm joking. I, that's my. Here we go. It's called, I Don't Understand, But I'm Learning to Believe. Listen to this. <clears throat> in order to grow in my faith, I have had to leave behind my demand to understand God and life perfectly. In the past, I've been adamant that God explain himself, but he has been adamant that I simply trust him. He easily outlasts me, and the relief comes. The shelter that engulfs my heart and mind when I, even as a last resort, throw myself fully into the care of God is indescribable. False shelters abound in this life. The pursuit of pleasure, obsession with power, achievement by any means, any degree of fame or celebrity. But none of these vanities are adequate to relieve our deep need for real safety. Only Christ himself is able to truly and adequately shelter us. Today, may the bread of life relieve you of any failing heart you might have. May the confession of your mouth be that God is the strength of your heart. 
And may you be set free from every false idol which has promised you shelter but left you out in the cold. People's hearts are failing for fear. Jesus used this phrase in the Gospel of Luke, and it comes to my mind often. I've been a Christian for many years, but in some sense, over time and by degree, I stopped actively entrusting my life to the care of God in the way I once did. I'm not sure how it happened. At some point, though, I realized I had become consumed by fear. My heart was failing for fear. I knew I had to return to Christ. It sounds silly, but I have recently made a concerted effort to be a Christian again. What I mean is I have gone back to the elemental Christian practice of actively trusting Christ with my day-to-day life. I have made it my confession that I am in the care of another, that person being Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I wish I'd written that. I didn't. Why don't we have the worship team uh, come on back? Let me just end with this. Uh, Again, I think with our Western minds, when we talk about um, being a naturally supernatural people, we think about, our minds go to what God is going to do through us, which is true, which is true. The Spirit of God in us, witnesses, gifts of the Spirit, it's totally true. But, but what I really want to focus in on today, being a naturally supernatural people, is where that all starts, though, is really having a handle on what's been done to us, in us, by Jesus. And, and what I mean is this. <clears throat> uh, uh, my wife and I have two sons, Jeremy and Daniel. And uh, this was a while back, but my younger son, Daniel, he's a lanky six-foot-four Viking. <laughs> but but he, um, he uh, one day, I don't know why, but he just came over and he picked me up. And just imagine, he was just holding me like this in his arms. And he just started walking around the house with me. And it was the most bizarre thing. And, and I had two reactions. The first was this. It was, a, it was Papa Pride. I thought, when did my boy get so big? When did my boy get so strong? It just was like really cool. But then the second one was this. Wow, does it feel good to be carried Wow, does it feel good to be lifted up and held in someone's arms? And I, and I just thought at that moment, since I became a dad, I've been doing all the carrying. You know, and as a pastor, different, like, I feel like I'm always doing the carrying. But what we're invited into, it, like, it, we still need to walk, but, but what we're invited into is a life where we... we we, we know what it's like to be carried, to be held by God, to be a natural person in the arms of our supernatural God. And so as we go back into worship, um, I just want, I really, I encourage you as we, as we sing these songs to approach God daring to believe that he really, he loves you that much, that wherever you're at right now in your life, he's like, oh, just come close. Just come close. Would you let me pick you up today? Would you let me carry you today? So let's worship.